0: Welcome to the Foresight Health Roundup podcast, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Burdett, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Thursday, February 23rd. Another week and we'll find out if March is coming in like a lion or a lamb. I still have gas in my snowblower and one of my neighbors still has his Christmas lights up. So I have that going for me. But what I don't have, and what millions of us don't have, is value-based care. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. Specifically, we're going to talk about a new roadmap to drive us to our value-based care destination, and a new proposal to standardize value-based quality measures. To tell us whether these new plans have promise or are destined for the dustbin of reimbursement history, are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Murchison, partner at Transformation Capital. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning?
1: Dave? My sister in Minneapolis sent us a note on Tuesday evening saying that she had her wool socks on, her ribs in the oven, and red wine in her hand as she prepared to ride out yet another big winter storm up there. Not here in Chicago. Our low snow winter continues. We dance on that line between rain and snow. Yesterday was no exception. Not too far north of us got over a foot of snow. We got a lot of rain and wind. Uh, today, the temperatures are going to get into the 40s, so I should be able to do my CSP, core strength power training, with Coach Leach
0: Outdoors this afternoon. I'm psyched. <laughs> well, I guess that's the opposite of ribs and red wine, but uh, good, good for you. Julie, how are you? Okay, well, this is just whack because we're having Chicago weather. I woke
2: up to snow yesterday. It's 25 degrees right now. It's going to be 21 degrees tomorrow. (laughs) This is not right. That's for sure.
0: Wow. Up is down and down is up. Great. Now, before we talk about these two value-based care accelerants, or potential accelerants. Let's talk about what you're watching on TV while you're waiting for spring. And Julie, it sounds like it'll be a while. Dave, I know I insulted our basketball and hockey fans outside of Chicago last week, but what are you watching after football and before baseball?
1: Don't be forlorn sports fans. March Madness is just around the corner. On the streaming front, we just finished watching all eleven seasons of Frasier, and we're missing it big time. So, what are we doing? We've started streaming Cheers and expect to watch all 11 seasons of that as well. Terry and I seem to be going back to the future in our TV binge watching. What's next? All 20 plus seasons of Law & Order?
0: I'm not joking. You got to go <laughs> back until like they you hit black and white, Dave. That's that's <laughs> for
1: me. The Jackie Gleason show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys.
0: <laughs> uh, well, Julie, are you streaming any new shows that you'd recommend?
2: I'm dying to make fun of you, Dave, but my 14-year-old who, you know, is a transplant to Seattle is now obsessed with Grey's Anatomy. So she's on like season nine of 19 or something, and I get to pop in every once in a while, and I'm actually getting mad at her that she's watching without me because I'm loving it.
0: Wow. <laughs> wow. Maybe yeah. med- Medicines in her future. I know.
2: We're talking about all sorts of medicine right now.
0: That's great. Thanks, Julie. My wife and I are watching Poker Face on Peacock. The show is Poker Face and the streaming service is Peacock. If you're old enough to remember Columbo starring the late Peter Falk, you'll love Poker Face. That's assuming you loved Columbo. He did get under people's skin. That was a schtick. To me, besides the plot, the best part about Poker Face is the weekly look at the unsung jobs people do every day for minimum wage, if that, to keep our economy running. Every job is important. It's also important that we keep moving toward value based reimbursement and paying for outcomes, not volume. A new report from the Health Affairs Council on Healthcare Spending and Value issued a roadmap for action. The roadmap offered 11 recommendations in four domains, one, administrative streamlining, two, price regulation and supports for competition, three, spending growth targets, and four, value-based payment. One item that caught my eye, limited price regulation in healthcare markets that can't be competitive for one reason or another. Dave, what caught your eye in the report? What recommendations would be in your roadmap, that's not in this one, and which recommendations will get us to value-based care the fastest?
1: What's the policy equivalent of a tree falling in the woods that nobody hears? Maybe, just maybe, it's a heavyweight policy brief that gets zero press coverage. Like that falling tree, the council's roadmap is not making any noise, Make no mistake, the roadmap is a serious attempt to tackle the economic dysfunction at the core of US healthcare in a comprehensive manner. Its co chairs are former Senator Dr. Bill Frist and former head of the FDA, Dr. Margaret Hamburg. They're both heavyweight healthcare luminaries. The Council's 20 members are experienced healthcare lifers with diverse expertise and representative of most of the components of healthcare's massive ecosystem providers, payers, pharma, purchasers, policymakers and consumers. Big names in this group include Toby Cosgrove, David Cutler and Craig Garthwaite. Maybe because the council has such diverse representations, its observations and recommendations seem obvious, understated and a bit tired. Here are a couple examples. Quote, the council believes that healthcare's current expenditure and rate of growth are higher than they should be, close quote. As my nephew would say, duh I, I wonder how long it took the council degree on that language. Here's another one from a recommendation on price regulation quote, in all markets, there is a need for increased monitoring of competitiveness.
0: close quote again, my nephew, yeah think. <laughs> That's like when they say knowledge is good,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, <laughs>
0: that's so, a movie reference there. OK, go ahead. Sorry.
1: My biggest issue with the council's report is that its orientation is so incremental, so small ball. It's like we have all the time in the world to address healthcare's dysfunction. Come on, people. Parts of the system are collapsing, and the Medicare trust fund is about to go bankrupt. The avalanche is falling, and the villagers are still square dancing below on the mountain. Most of this report could have been written 10 years ago. Administrative streamlining, check, standardized metrics, check, more pro-market regulation, check, better payment models, check, and so on. Despite my negativity, there are a couple of interesting aspects to the report. The council's members expect more reform energy to come from the states than the federal government. I agree with that. For example, they advocate for hard, enforceable state-based growth targets like Massachusetts has done for healthcare expenditure. Uh, Secondly, and this just cracks me up, they asked their members to assess their confidence level, the level of resources required for implementation for the recommendations, and the expected magnitude of impact for those 11 recommendations. Only two of the 11 scored well, longer-run harmonization of quality measures, which Julie's going to discuss next, and limited price regulation in markets that cannot be competitive, which you had mentioned previously, Dave. That sound you hear or don't hear is the one hand clapping for the report. Even the council's members don't think that recommendations will have much impact. That's depressing. Healthcare's incumbents are out of gas. They continue to fiddle as their ecosystem burns. You ask me what will get us on the road to value faster that isn't in this report. That's way too big a question to address here, except to say that the healthcare system needs Revolutionary, not evolutionary, exponential, not incremental change to truly
0: transform. Wow, Dave, that was something. <laughs> Thank you. Julie, I'm not sure what, but it was something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Julie, any questions for Dave?
2: Well, it's kind of funny because my question was a bit of a hater question, also, but I'm not so sure I really need to ask it at this point. You know, I saw one line that the advisors were encouraged to limit their focus to the core health system itself and not all the upstream value that could be had. I was really struck by this. Do you think that's odd that they couldn't really focus on the upstream value that could have downstream effect? Or do you think it's good to focus this relatively highbrow, old-school, group around the core system to figure out how to clean it up? Like, what, what's this all about?
1: Well, it's, it's actually a great question, Julie. And I think the council's focus is right, and I'll tell you why. Last week, I attended Intermountain's Mindshare conference in Park City, Utah. In the conference's keynote address, the new CEO for Intermountain, Rob Allen, observed that 52%, 52% of healthcare spending is wasteful. for treatment of avoidable conditions, so get them before they go into the hospital, and 25% for unnecessary or overpriced care, 52% in total. Can I say that again? 52%. Healthcare incumbents who wish to survive need to get their own house in order first. That means delivering the right care at the right time in the right place at the right price. It's a huge lift. This is where they should be focusing their energy and attention. Why in the world should the American public expect healthcare incumbents to deliver on the promise of population health, the upstream value that you were talking about? Let others figure that out. Healthcare organizations need to stick to their knitting and deliver better outcomes at lower cost. Full stop.
0: Don't get distracted. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I'm almost afraid to go into our second topic here, but I'm going <laughs> to do it anyways. Let's talk about this new proposal from CMS to streamline quality measures. Uh, The proposal is dubbed the Universal Foundation, and it calls for a standard set of quality measures across, quote, as many quality rating and value-based care programs as possible, close quote. There are more than 20 such programs right now. The universal measures would be patient, not provider-centric, and follow a person's healthcare journey from cradle to grave. The initial set of 24 measures would fall into six adult domains and four pediatric domains. There are four domains common to both adults and children, wellness and prevention, chronic conditions, behavioral health, and person-centered care. Julie, what's your reaction to the plan? What does a common set of quality measures do for disruptors, innovators, startups, and entrepreneurs? And how will a common set of quality measures get us to value-based care faster?
2: Well, I'm not so sure there's anything earth-shattering here either, but I actually do think there's more here than in the report that Dave just talked about. Yeah, you know, The Universal Foundation is intended to improve quality outcomes and advance equity. But I think quite importantly... It's also designed to simply reduce provider burden. And I do think its design is good to aid in the transition to digital reporting because of this narrowing to an initial set of universal measures that are some of the biggest problems we have. I, first of all, love seeing behavioral health in here. So, you know, I think there's a lot of good coming from this. You know, CMS is planning major efforts around it, honestly. They're creating some of the traditional mechanisms that they use for a lot of their larger programs. So that signals to me that this is a major effort in their mind. They've created a cross-center working group focused on, you know, coordinating the processes and the implementation of aligning measures. And they're setting up, you know, more traditional government engagement approaches to evolve all this over time. They're going to solicit stakeholder feedback through comments, rulemaking, listening sessions, etc. So this is serious stuff. And like I said, I think it's good, honestly, and here's why. There are entire industries, technology companies built on translating care and claims data into the needed quality results for at least, as you know, this report talks about at least 20 different quality programs with multiple different measures per program. I mean, it is like a massive, massive model with nuanced differences that Payers and providers buy to make sure that they earn the bonus or differential payments that that quality program affords them or, frankly, requires of them. So this is a big industry. And I think something like Universal Foundation can really attack a lot of the dead weight that companies like this have built up. And for some of the innovators out there who are the newer companies that aren't necessarily in that big industry bucket, this kind of focus, you know, it's very positive for them. I think it it helps them focus more on what's imp- going to be important to payers and providers rather than boiling the ocean. It provides a growth path. I think for many of the innovators out there today, it could really limit what they're doing because of the focus. So it will it will have an impact on innovative companies, no doubt. But for many, it will be a, like a simplifying function. And I don't know. Anytime we have a little bit of focus and a harmony, I think it's a good thing. But as we all know, here's my slight hate, the outcomes are what we really need to work towards. And we're still at the process measure point in time. And while it's helpful to know the percentage of patients that have had a screening for breast cancer or colon cancer or what have you, you know, many of those patients can't even access the treatment services they need. So we're still at this place where, yes, the process measure is helpful, but it's not everything and we need to go all the way
0: had it. Well, at least it's not a moving target anymore. Thanks, Julie. Dave, any questions for Julie? Well, I'm I'm encouraged by Julie's
1: response. So here are my big picture questions for you. Will this universal foundation do anything more than improve outcomes at the margins? And if not, is that anywhere near enough? I think you already answered that. And so what should provider organizations do that truly embrace quality outcomes to communicate their commitment and results to a very skeptical public?
2: When you think about when your boss pays you for a job and you have a KPI that you need to meet to demonstrate that you're doing a good job at work, that's their quality standard for you, or it's not really quality, of course, right? But your performance standard. So I just look at this as like, it's, this is what we're dealing with, right? When the government pays for this, they're going to be the industry that demands some performance. I wish it was a different <laughs> set of demands, but it's a great question, though. And I have to come back to what I said about outcomes over process is key. But at the end of the day, everyone in healthcare, they need to perform for payment. We all know the payment's a problem. But the real problem, as our friend Jan Berger, Dave, talks about, is trust. And anything, frankly, not only providers, but payers can do to engender trust and deliver consumer grade products and services and start to think about what we're doing more as products and services. You know, we can't be doing enough over the coming years to really focus on that as well. And I don't know if you saw this, but the NQF, which is, you know, goes deep into the quality world, had one of their CMS contracts pulled and A private company is coming in and there's a lot of upsetting in the apple cart right now going on in the quality world and the quality delivery world. So I think we need to be focusing on more than just what the government requires of us.
0: It's time to start measuring outcomes and that processes. That's great. Thanks, Julie. You can't improve it if you can't measure it. And if everyone is measuring all kinds of different things, you're not going anywhere. And as they say at Faber College, knowledge is good right? There's your, right? <laughs> yes. It's animal house if you didn't catch that earlier. So yeah, it all yeah. makes sense to me. Now let's briefly talk about other big healthcare news that happened this week. Julie, what else happened that we should be paying attention to?
2: Well, I want to talk about something that is a little bit less kind of headline-ish, but I think really important and it comes back to the trust comment that I just made. I don't know if you saw that the FTC complaint against GoodRx you know, is kind of making waves and it accuses the company of sharing consumers health data with advertisers. And it's kind of the first of its kind to lean into enforcement under the health breach notification rule. So what's challenging about this is that the FTC is basically putting digital health as a market on watch with, you know, cracking down on companies profiting from our sensitive health information, which I think is awesome. But will definitely have an impact on a lot of
1: companies.
0: Thanks, Julie. Dave, what other healthcare news is worth mentioning this week?
1: Yeah, two big items this week in the marketplace. United Health Group completed its acquisition of LHC, the massive home health provider just adding to their arsenal of tools. And then secondly, the government announced that it would not block Amazon's acquisition of One Medical. Yay, both of these are big moves and part of the outside-in transformation that the healthcare ecosystem is experiencing right now. To celebrate its win, Amazon is offering its Prime members a $55 discount off the retail $199 price for enrolling in One Medical. That didn't take long. I love it, go sign up. (laughs)
0: already a deal. That's great. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Julie. And that is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And don't forget to tell a friend about the Foresight Health Roundup podcast. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.